Welcome to the Jinx Dance Media Podcast. This is your host, Jude, and this is where I'll be chatting to you about how to design and create high-quality dance events and creative dance content. I'll be covering topics ranging from fundraising, marketing, production, content creation, design, and so much more so that you can have all the tools and resources you need to stand out and build genuine connections with your audience. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to this week's podcast episode. So I am actually from the future. Well, I'm in the middle of editing this as we speak, but I wanted to just give a little bit of context for this episode since it is split into two parts. So essentially, I was having this conversation with um, my current guest, Sam Mack, for this podcast episode, and it was just such a good conversation that it went on for like twice as long as I was expecting. And I really just loved all of the content in it and didn't want to cut it down any shorter. So I decided to instead split it into two parts. Um, There may be a little bit of additional editing and I do apologize if there's any abrupt um, cutoffs or anything like that, but I will try and make it as smooth transitioning as possible for you all. But Anyways, that is where I'll leave it, and we'll jump into the episode with Samak. Hello, everyone. I am here today with a special guest, Samak. Um, we actually met at the first Shadow Puppets event we hosted here in Chicago, Nightmare on Rockwell yeah. Street. Um, sure. Yeah, and then I remember we went to your guys's um, Lord of the Lands event after that. So mm. um, it's been really cool, like getting to know you. Um, And I'm excited to have you on this episode. Do you want to go ahead for people who aren't familiar with you, go ahead and give yourself like a little bit of an intro and some background on yourself and also 10K movement, which we're going to be talking about here today as well. Yeah. So um, again, I'm I'm Sam Mack, um, Sam Mack 10K specifically um, out of Cleveland, Ohio. I am a street dancer, but also choreographer um, and uh, teacher as well. Um, and yeah, I'm just excited to be here. And I would say I'm an, uh, I'm an, I'm an ambassador for hip hop culture outside of just being a, um, dancer and choreography. I'm a choreographer. Uh, I think just being an ambassador for the culture is always, always trumps everything else. And it's the most important thing for me. So, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining me again. Um, of course. so before we like jump into, I guess, like the deeper part of the questions. Um, Can you talk a little bit more about 10K Movement and what it is that you guys do? Yeah, um, I could dive deep. 10K Movement, um, I guess I'll start with some history. It it started as just a, it started as as a dance name. So one of my uh, early teachers, when it came to popping, um, there was nobody in Cleveland doing popping except for me. And there is a, a big hospital, Cleveland Clinic, um, where they have a lot of res- residencies uh, for a lot of um, surgeons uh, throughout the year. And just so happened that one of those surgeons was also a popper. He was a brain surgeon. <laughs> and he was in residency from, uh, he was from Australia. No, he's from London, but he's living in Australia. And his name was uh, Full Metal Sash. That was his popping name. And he was part of G-Style. And he was like, crazy, weird, tall guy in the park <laughs> saying, hey, I see you guys sessioning and that's where we used to session is this park. Um, 
in Cleveland Heights. And he was like, hey, I see you guys trying to pop. I can teach you some more. And I'm thinking, this is creepy. Um, and uh, But I did take him up on it. And it was just me and him for about three, maybe close to four years, where he would just teach me the basics. So at this point in time, I thought I knew popping, but I did not after training with him for about three <laughs> consistent years. Um, and if you know anything about surgeons, uh, they have some crazy hours. So I was going over there. I don't know. We would be probably training from about, I don't know, 8 p.m. until like 3 a.m. Because I was just so hungry to learn about popping. This is what I wanted to do. I, I'd watch so many YouTube videos, but there was no poppers around in Cleveland, really. Um, so after he left and moved back, um, he before that, he gave me this name, 10K, which is 10,000 hours. If you ever read um, Malcolm Gladwell's book, Outliers. Um, that's kind of where that comes from the 10,000 hour rule. So if you put 10,000 hours into something, um, you are proficient or a master at your craft. And mm. that's what he saw in me. And, you know, that's how he moved for me. I, I always thought, you know, the name wasn't just, I always was thinking about the community. Um, that's kind of the work I, I do even outside of dance still, it's just a lot of community work. Um, and I was like, you know, anybody can be 10 you know, if we're talking about the street dance scene, I want, I want everybody to experience what it feels like to really just at least strive to get there. And, um, I, I just turned that dance name into the name for the organization. So now 10 K movement became a thing. So that was about 20, I think about 2020, we became a thing 2017. Um, it was unofficially a thing. And then officially, uh, in 2020, we became that sounds that sounds around the timeline that Shadow Puppets was created as yeah. well. So that's kind oh, of cool. <laughs> yeah, word, word. Yeah, yeah. It, I don't, it's it's weird. These things like organically take shape. Like there are mm -hmm. things beforehand. Like I remember going to Chicago and there was like the there was Slick City going on. I don't know if you were dancing around that time. This was like 2012. Uh were you yeah, dancing no, around that time too? No, oh, okay. I wasn't in Chicago yet. So I oh, came okay. to Chicago at, at 2018. Um, oh, okay yeah <laughs> it was it was a different scene too it was very interesting and i actually i just sent alex uh i just sent him a video it's a super old video of us sessioning <laughs> we look everybody's trash everybody looks like <laughs> trash uh and we're all like sessioning and you can see him in the back and i think he was in he was in dayton at the time and he moved mm -hmm. and he was or at least i think he was moving at the time um, and he's in the back and then it's a couple, uh, smart boy, Austin, and we're practicing before the battle begins. Mm. And that was, and I just look back, back I'm like, wow, like people really came a long way. And now he's like crazy yeah. with the animation and the robotics. It's crazy. Yeah, uh, but yeah, this, this, the Midwest and, and 10 K and all this stuff. It's like, it's funny how everything organically has kind of transformed, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's really cool um, what you guys are doing as well. I know you have a lot of like different, I guess, programming that you're doing. Do you kind of want to yeah. talk a little bit about that and give like a brief overview? Yeah, yeah. So 10K Movement is a, it's not a dance company. Um, there is a uh, company model inside of our organization um, called 10K Elite. So there we have a few elite dancers that teach throughout the Cleveland City Schools. Uh, they're probably about like eight schools right now. Uh, in total, um, and they probably reach about like 300 kids uh, throughout the year. Um, and they also perform and of course battling and I help them with their events as well as they help us with the overall 10K events. Um, 
but we focus on events, performance, and education. Specifically, I think the biggest one um, right now in my brain, my my brain spaces, is mm-hmm. our Lords of the Land event is our biggest one. We also, we also host some small events, um, but we kind of operate uh, as a street dance platform rather than a crew or rather than a dance company. Um, and that was by choice. Um, that was by, you know, by design, because I, I think you see a lot of these organizations, especially nonprofits, if they have to do with dance, they all, they either become solely based on education um, or about performance, like a dance company, like a modern dance company. And I think street dance, we can do so much with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course we need so many resources to do what we got to do. So, um, uh, and that's what I went to school for. So I went to school for arts administration and, um, I've been kind of working in that field prior to creating the 10K movement. So, um, I work with a lot of cool organizations, but I was like, man, you could do the same thing with street dance. So yeah, <laughs> that's kind of how that was built. So, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm curious as to. I guess, why you started with like the education aspect and like why that continues to remain like the foundation of, I guess, 10K movement. Because like, for example, um, I know other organizations start with like the event side of things or they start with um, not even like youth specific education, but just like, I don't know, like sessions, for example, or um, trying to think of other ways that people can approach it. But yeah, I guess I'm just curious, like, what mm-hmm. is like your, I guess, strategy for starting with that? And like, where are you hoping for it to kind of grow and develop? Yeah. Well, I, uh, well, one, first and foremost, I think um, I want to look at our, our landscape. And I think Chicago, you guys, it's, it's, it's similar. Obviously, I don't know the internal um, like ecosystem for the arts, but for mm-hmm. Cleveland, we have a strong art scene. Everybody's super curious outside of dance. I mean, like, we have so many events going on where people are creating new stuff and people are being supported to do weird things. Like I I really feel like Cleveland is extremely weird in the best way because there's so many different things happening and there's in a good way, in a bad way, nobody's stepping on anybody's toes, but in the bad way, there's, it's just a lack of kind of depth for some of these things. Um, I think based on where we're at, where Cleveland's at, we, we are a Crump city, but there was no infrastructure around Crump. So I do feel like we are still in a, um, we are still in a space where I think that even just that dance style needs to be supported, but overarching the street dance scene needs to have some type of infrastructure. And that's mm-hmm. really what I want 10K movement to be. It's just a vessel or some type of hub um, and ultimately a launch pad because I think what uh, a lot of smaller cities, and I guess we're not, I don't know if Cleveland is considered a small city. I think it is. I mean, the Midwest, it's a Midwestern city for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I think too often a lot of artists and a lot of from artist funders or organizations, they try to make it a, um, instead of a launch pad, and this is just my opinion, I just think people are trying to make it a destination. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't think Cleveland is, it, we're not, we're never going to be New York. We're never going to be LA. We don't even have, people are still calling themselves just freestyle dancers. They don't even know what they're doing. So how can we provide access? So our, our main goal, our mission is to preserve, present, cultivate through authentic street dance, right? And we do that by providing access to authentic dance forms uh, under the street dance realm. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, if they can train, 
do what they got to do for, um, you know, X amount of years and then leave or create something within the city that helps boost the the community, then we've done our job. But we, I don't think we need to be um, kind of a destination. I think our, I, I, don't, mm. I feel like I'm being a hypocrite because Lords of the Land is definitely, we try to make, we try to collaborate and partner with every organization in Cleveland to make sure that you guys really enjoy it, especially this third one is going to be really interesting with our partnerships. But at the end of the day, I even think about dancers like Merck um, from, Cle from Cleveland. Uh, I, I definitely have the um, honor to be able to teach him and, and be a mentor to him. Um, but he's got to get out. You know, this is not a place yeah. where you can continuously grow. Uh, once you hit a point, you have to get out or you have to do something within the city that um, really, really catapults your career. Uh, if mm -hmm. not, then you you have to leave. That's just not the type of city we are. And I think we're, we're looking at it the, the wrong way. So that's where 10K movement comes into play. I don't know if that answered your question, but. No, that's very interesting. Yeah. I like that a lot. And I think it's, um, it's kind of like you're providing like that foundation um, through, like everyone has to start somewhere. And I feel like yeah. with, with street dance, like a big part of, um, especially if you want to battle and stuff like that is like traveling and like experiencing the world. And I think that like not a lot of people get the opportunity to do that for like accessibility yeah. purposes. And yeah. I know um, like you mentioned to me before something about um, giving like funds for people to be able to travel for certain types mm. of events. That's a, like a project that you guys are working on. And yeah. I think that that's like super valuable um, just to be able to provide people with that resource um, mm -hmm. that's not been super common all the time, mm -hmm. especially for, I think in the Midwest and also just like smaller regions and smaller areas where like, for example, in Chicago, like I'm super lucky that I have access to such like a big city um, yeah. and yeah. not everyone has that. And I think it's even harder, like the smaller city you, in, you are in, the more isolated you are. And so- yeah it's super valuable to be able to exchange with people. And I think part of Lord of the Lands, I wouldn't even say that you're being like hypocritical with it because I think like it's the same for us with like Out of the Shadows. Like we want to bring mm. people from other areas yes. to our city so that the people in our city who can't go other places have the opportunity to exchange exactly. with people as well. So exactly. it's twofold. And I think that's super cool. So yeah. 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 And I it's think- Oh, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Go Sorry. Ahead. No, go ahead. <laughs> no, it's definitely, I mean, it's just definitely a battle, um, you know, uh, mm -hmm. even just to, you know, it's like I, I, Chicago's an easy sell, I will say, because um, mm -hmm. I, I like Chicago. It's a bigger city. Cleveland is like Cleveland. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it's not like a you Cleveland. It's like a what's in Cleveland? It's even but, just you like know, Ohio. I feel like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Ohio, Ohio, Ohio <laughs> and you know. But it's like, all right, well, we got to sell. We we really got to sell our city, and mm -hmm. we're, we're we're in a good position. Whereas, like, I know there's like other dancers. Like, I got a friend who's in Iowa. I don't even know. I didn't know Iowa even had a scene, and they. Mm -hmm. I don't think they really have a big scene. But it's like. So I'm grateful in that regard, but also yeah. understanding where we're at really helps us navigate in an easy fashion. So when you talk about education and why education, um, well, you know, we got, we're teaching a lot of uh, middle school kids right now. I know mm -hmm. a few of our instructors are teaching middle school. So in the next five years, if I'm in eighth grade, I'll be, um, you know, either in high school or right, just fresh out of high school. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of them are interested in these 
these art forms or these dance forms, they've been doing it for so long. And now we've just given them the vocabulary to do what they want to do. So yeah. by the time they're they're out, we've already created a, a sustainable system um, that they could, all they have to do is plug in and play. And they, they are familiar with the territory and it continuously makes Cleveland something that's like, yeah, a destination in terms of the street dance circuit or, or whatever. Yeah. So, so, yeah. Yeah. And I think um, what you're doing is really, uh, you're focused on like the bigger picture and like, it's, it's very well-rounded in the sense that you're starting with kids when they're young, you're getting them invested yeah. in like a culture. And then like, you have that next generation to like come up and like contribute to the scene and contribute to the culture and community as well. And I think that's yeah. like a pain point that we've identified for ourselves in Chicago here is like, mm. how can we start to do that? So I guess that's a question I have for you is like, how mm. were you able to get into more of that like youth teaching aspect? Mm. So I, I think it comes to the partnership. So um, I'm, so my, my background is uh, I, I got my degree in arts administration. When I got out of college, um, I was literally, uh, I went to an organization that did arts advocacy and I would do these site visits throughout the year, almost once, one a week of, with the executive directors of every organization, you know, uh, major organization in Cleveland. And, you know, you do that for a year. <laughs> you, there's so much like, you know, trying to catch some water, you know, the fire hose, you know, in your mouth. And um, there's just so much information um, where, it's like, oh yeah, I can definitely do this with street dance. You guys don't see the the holes that I see, um, but those partnerships, you know, I think creating those partnerships early on and um, outside of those partnerships, it's like these organizations. Okay, well, who are they connected to? And then understanding that, like, I when I think about street dance, it's really just one subset of my life. I think that's the issue I see a lot of the time with our. Um, national street dance scene because if you look overseas they, everything is so connected and there's a reason mm -hmm. because their heads are almost out of that the world of street dance and yeah. that's another thing I, I think I mentioned to you before is like a lot of the people who work with 10k aren't street dancers mm -hmm. you know or they are they love the culture but they are removed enough where we can just get the work done you know yeah. um, a lot of street dancers don't not that they cannot do the work and not that they don't want to do the work. Mm -hmm. Dance in itself is already a job. I have to yeah. work out. I have to practice. I have to do all of this. So it's the capacity for my dancers to do anything else besides teach to make partnerships. I, I don't even think they, um, you know, and not that they're not capable, but it's, if there's a different level of uh, capacity building or community community building, you have to hire somebody to do that job because there's a specific method yeah. to just that. So yeah, it's a full-time commitment for sure. It, it, any of it, you know? Yeah. So I'm at a point where it's like, my biggest goal is to not create street dancers. Obviously, you know, we can give these these kids tools all day, mm -hmm. but it's like, how do we create the, one, to create the fans of street dance. Mm. Um, if you guys know, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with speedy legs out of Miami, he does the pro-am jam. Uh, but he was, he was always saying like, uh, create the fan dancers don't even buy food at the, at the jam, <laughs> you know, but the fans, the fans buy the t-shirt, you know, you involve mm -hmm. the youth, they buy the t-shirt, they buy the hot dog, they buy the, all the other stuff. Yeah. And it's like, you know, 
how can we just get our head out of the thing for a second mm -hmm. so we can focus on the bigger picture? And I think that's the biggest issue. And I get it as a dancer. I, I and and to be honest with you, Jude, I didn't even think I was gonna do this much with 10K. I really just wanted to dance. I really just wanted to travel and battle. Yeah. And not not that I can't do that, but it has this is definitely a full-time job for me. So um yeah. it's a trade-off. It really is. And I'm 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 okay, but you know, that's the reality. Yeah. So. I do have another question for you based on this idea of like creating the fan of street dance yeah. as well. I think mm -hmm. I guess my question is like how do you balance that with also, I feel like there is a little bit of sometimes a resistance in the street dance community towards like commercializing or um, this idea of like not focusing on the dancers. Um, it's like, oh, how can we fo mm. focus more on spectators or focusing more on partnerships? And how yeah. do you kind of balance that, I guess, expectation for like authenticity and genuineness with mm. this you know, we do need to have, you know, more of that, I would say like business mindset and like focusing on the broader community that can help support, you know, street dance, because yeah. clearly like we can't, I don't know, like, for example, like something that we were discussing is like, you can't ask like street dance artists who are coming to your, your battle to like donate because they're already like mm. paying for entry and like, clearly mm. like, I think like donors that you're looking for are going to be people who like street dance, but maybe aren't dancers yeah. themselves. And it's like that, that idea of the fan, but um, mm. you don't want to, I guess, compromise um, your programming or your event or whatever else yeah. it might be um, to the point where it's going to like negatively impact the community as well. Right. I, I, I think the biggest thing, well, there's two things. So there's creating the fan and then also creating champions of your work. So our champions are the ones that, that advocate for us. And we actually have an advisory board as well. So there's three tiers to it. Mm -hmm. So there's, um, when we go into these schools, they know 10K Movement's coming to teach, right? But those are just people who are like, wow, I'm really a fan of you guys' work. Thank you for teaching these kids, yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. um, we might come out, I might bring my kids, whatever. The champions of our work or are the um, director of programming who's like, wow, you guys have been doing some amazing work. I've been following it. You continuously stay in contact. You involve them in the thing so that they can bring kids from their summer, uh, I don't know, their summer like discovery program. They're like, uh, we need a field trip. Oh, yeah. 10K Movements is they're doing the Lords of the Land. And that's, you know, that's really mm -hmm. happening now. So we're really able to I could care less if we have eight dancers per category. I could care less about the, those dancers or the spe or the number of dancers coming through, even though we won a lot of dancers this year. Uh -huh. um, it's the spectators, those partners who are bringing like, the, there's one that a uh, group that's bringing like definitely over 30 kids to our event. Yeah. Like that's, that's already, you know, they, they're champions of our work. They shout us out on all of their channels. So it's this web of, of networking, right. Um, mm -hmm. Outside of dance. And we, uh, the balance of keeping it authentic is just driving down your mission, like, and, mm -hmm. and not, I can't compromise what we're doing. Like, we're not going to be your industry hip hop in, in front of the studio or, and yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. It's just not what we do. Yeah. Um, and I think that has held more weight because it's like, wow, you know, we do have another group called Elevated, which we're super proud of in Cleveland that they won World of Dance like three times, you know, mm -hmm. the style at which they produce is different than us and it's okay. Like they'll mm -hmm. do hip hop, 
but it's more of your commercial industry work and they have mm-hmm. dancers that are getting booked constantly that's just not what we do but we yeah. have a there's a place for us there's a place for them there's yeah. a place for us and we have champions that don't interfere with their champions you know yeah. and then they have fans and then we got fans and then above that our board of directors is doing the internal work to make sure that it's like hey did you guys put 10k movement on the bill for this or mm-hmm. hey you guys they applied for this um are they getting the grant that they deserve right so that's mm-hmm. that's what the that's what the board i think they they should yeah. be doing for us but <laughs> um no nah, no nah. but it's you know so it's like how do we establish those partnerships internally because mm-hmm. I, I again it's it's a lot of work but it's like you know we can't we only got a we only got us <laughs> you know yeah you know so it's yeah you know, who are our fans, who are our champions, who are the people that are not connected to the dance scene that are, you know, part of like an arts council um, that can really plug us in the ways that we need to plug, you know? Yeah. And then, and then also physically, the only reason that we're at, uh, we're at the Cleveland Orchestra Severance Music Hall for the event is because they were like, yeah, we need to get some, some other type of venues in here. Other organizations need to see this. It's these partnerships and mm-hmm. we, you know, we don't compromise our mission. Um, like, Hey, we'll bring this here. As long as you guys do this. Um, I mean, it's, it's simple in a way, but how can you be in these spaces where, um, you can intersect? That's the biggest thing. So, yeah. And how do you go about, I guess, identifying the right partnerships or even like you talked about, like your board of directors, how did you go about identifying the right people to be on Mm. that? Um, well, one, I think identifying partners is just who, kind of aligns with our mission. Um, I think it's like, all right, well, we've, we've seen you guys do some work with, uh, there's an organization called Ingenuity Cleveland. Um, and they do, again, Cleveland is weird. Dude, if you are here <laughs> on an off day and you find a show, there's some weird in the best way. Like we have some interesting performance art and things, but Ingenuity Cleveland is a dope festival. I don't know how to explain it. It's just a lot of things happening at once and it's huge. Um, and the partners behind that, you know, back at, uh, before we even started 10K, you would look at the list of all the sponsors and stuff. And it's like, okay, well, who's doing this? Well, who sponsored this um, this exhibition, you know? And mm-hmm. it's going out of our realm and making sure it's like, hey, but we got this going on over here. You guys do something similar and you're interested in um, people who activate large spaces. It's just very niche or it's very broad. Um and I think that's where it starts is like looking at some of these other organizations, taking a step out and what's the template, you know, can we, can we take something from this template and then apply it to ourselves? Um, and then as far as our advisory board, that just comes from our network uh, internally. So I don't know if you ever, if you met Maddie who works uh, with mm-hmm. us, she's our associate director. Yeah. Um, so between her and I, you know, we have a, you know, our Rolodex of connects, but it's a super diverse board where somebody is a professor, somebody was a councilwoman. And that's another thing is like, how really, how connected are you to the city? The city makes the move so you can really elevate and then making the value around the thing. Like, I think we're our organization in the least biased way is definitely one of the, one of the most valuable uh, assets Cleveland has or organizations Cleveland has. Um, and I want them to know that. And if we can sell ourselves, uh, not in a bad, like a bad way, not in a weird way, <laughs> but if we can sell what we're doing and, un- and sell the, sell the, um, the narrative that we are super valuable to our city by doing education 
and hitting these these points, you know, and we hit like 300 kids per year. Then also um, we have these events that bring in national dancers, worldwide known dancers. And then also these, this number of kids is here. There's these performances. Oh, this, you know, if we can make these connections and sell it to you guys, you're going to support us because you know that we're, we, we are a huge asset to the city that makes Cleveland what it is. So, um, yeah, I think it's just building the team, building those champions. The advisory board, all it is, is just a board of champions. Like, oh yeah, we're champions of your work. We will do what we have to do to make sure everybody else knows who you guys are and what needs to happen. So, yeah, that's super helpful. I think um, for people who are interested in getting more um, involved with that community mm-hmm. building aspect. So, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, we've been talking a little bit about, I guess, like the board of directors, like your different programming and stuff like that. I know that 10K movement is currently nonprofit intent. Can you tell us a little bit more about what that means? Yeah, so we are in a transitional phase right now, um, meaning how we operate at this very moment is very much like a nonprofit from all of our organizations. I mean, all of our programming um, to how we do these partnerships and what that means. I mean, people still say we're nonprofits and we have to let them know we're not a 501c3. Um, All that means is that we are technically an LLC, but we have a fiscal sponsor that is a nonprofit. So when we apply for grants, we have to apply through them. They advocate for us and then apply for us to get the grants. There are some grants we can't get because they don't accept fiscal sponsorships. but there's pros and cons to it. So we can't receive all the grants that we wanna, um, that we usually apply for just because we, we are not a full 501c3 or nonprofit status. Um, but the other end is like, there's so much that a nonprofit has to do legally and we don't have capacity at all. It just takes mm-hmm. so much work and capacity. So we are in the probably the most comfortable space. And honestly, um, I've been sharing that with a lot of people in the street dance community. It's like, yo, just get an LLC. And if you know a um, if you know a nonprofit that one aligns with your mission, but also is a great advocate, they can apply for grants for you. So you don't have to um, yo, that whole process to be a 501c3 is like scary. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and also it just takes so much work. And there's so much stuff that is not worth it, even Mm -hmm. though there are pros to like receiving operating support versus program or project support. Mm -hmm. Um, We are trying to get a big grant to get just project support, but we we might not necessarily get um, operating support. So being able to say like, hey, this is a super salaried position uh, for like, you know, we have three salary positions We'll, we'll, we know we'll get this probably every year, but we have to apply every year. So sometimes it might be up in the air mm. as a, as nonprofit intent, it's like, all right, we know for a fact we can apply to get this project support. I'm not even going to try for the operating support because we're not a 501c3 and we're in competition now. That's the other thing. If you're a nonprofit, you're in competition with every other nonprofit in your county. Yeah. So it's like, how are we going to compete with, uh, say the Cleveland Orchestra? probably not gonna get (laughs) half of what they get um but we can get this project this specific grant um that would cover just me maddie and this event over here um and that's Mm -hmm. what we've been trying to do we've only been 
Um, we've only had a fiscal sponsor for a couple of years. Um, and I'm sharing this, this information transparently just because I think when you're talking about the street dance community and there's all of these little, I just think we have to think bigger and, um, and we have to ask more help, man. I think it's like, this is a lot of work. I'm, I'm, I'm versed in it just cause I went to school for it. But honestly, like I could find a volunteer from, or an intern from a local university to be like, Hey, I just need somebody to correspond with, uh, like emails and reach out to people. And that could be the, the job listing for up throughout the year. Um, uh, you know, get, if we, if we have fiscal sponsorship, uh, from some local nonprofit that can, like, even a CDC could work like a community developmental corporation could be a, a fiscal sponsor if it aligns. Um, but I just think having fiscal sponsorship is the the lifesaver in all of what we do um, mm -hmm. because it pretty much takes care of half of the event and helps us do what we need to do at the end of the day when it comes to Lords of the Land, but also programming throughout the year. So, yeah. So is like your fiscal sponsorships the primary way that you fund everything that you guys do, or do you have other sources of funding as well? We ha we have uh, a number of sources of in income. So mm -hmm. the I will say for projects, any projects that we do that are big, um, I say those are completely funded by grants um, mm -hmm. or crowdfunding. You know, crowdfunding is still a big part of it, fundraising. Um, and then sponsorships help out as well. But I would say it's split up like that. Throughout the year, though, there might be, you know, other events that we do. Um, we do do like some uh, weekly or month by monthly classes, uh, their workshops or something like that. And then of course the schools are instructors are paid through the schools and they're paying mm -hmm. paid at an equitable rate. So they, they honor our rates. Um, and a lot of our instructors are, that's all they're doing throughout the year. So it's actually pretty, it's pretty nice, but those are usually like the three, um, big programs, but usually through the fiscal sponsorship, we can, um, our, our program is sustained just by grants for the most part, for the most part. Yeah. And how much, how much time would you say you spend on, I guess, trying to get funding for stuff, especially like in the beginning when you guys were first getting started, like uh, how, how much time did that take for you guys? <laughs> okay. So, yo, and, and honestly, if you've battled, you, you battled, you, you dance and all this stuff is super parallel to, I think just being a battler, being, um, a dancer, especially a street dancer, you kind of have to, there's a big, you have to make a name for yourself. That first year I was, I don't even know, you came the first year when we were outside, right? For, yeah. Yep. Okay. I look back at that year and that was actually, when we look at our budget from that year, um, that was the most expensive year. Like blocking off the street was extremely expensive. Did you know porta pot these are super expensive I did and not. you have to have them. You have to have them. There's all of these little things. We had to buy so many permits just because we we're doing a, an event outside. Yeah. Which costs so much more than the actual event itself that I was mm -hmm. like, I look back, like, how did we do that? Um, yeah. And I think we got our fiscal sponsorship literally, if not weeks, a month before that event. And we realized like, oh, we want to get one grant, but I know somebody that could be our fiscal sponsor, which happens to be uh, a really um, just notable organization in Cleveland that's been helping us, not only just helping us get money, but also an advocate and a champion for our work. So they they shout us out, 
they have a large network. Their board of directors does some of the major things in our city. Um, so it's like somebody who's strong in our community that can back us up. But um, yeah, man, I would say it's the biggest challenge is starting off. Yeah. But after, you, and I would say start with those small grants. If even if somebody in, like, I can get an individual grant. Um, mm. if you can get an individual artist grant, you actually don't even need 501c3 status. You don't need a fiscal sponsor. You yeah. can just apply for that. And if you see anything that says like nominations, so like I think about like New York and LA, mm -hmm. um, I'm always looking at like grants and stuff, um, and stuff to apply for. And I see a lot of like individual artist grants for those cities. It's so, it has to be so much harder, but what like, uh, imagine like some of these big name dancers, they could be easily getting an individual artist grant for like yeah. 10 to $20,000 to support whatever they want to do. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just, it's just information and how information is being shared. And I understand everybody has their life going on, but I do think um, getting connected to some of these organizations or getting connected to these funding streams has to kind of be priority for what we're doing moving forward mm -hmm. as a scene. Um, and again, that's my opinion, but um, Cleveland is easy. But we did have to like kind of like it's almost like you have to prove yourself, yeah. which makes sense. Like, oh yeah, I guess we do have to prove ourselves if you're gonna give us X amount of dollars. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> um, so by the second year it was easier. And then this third year, I'm like, wow, this has been a lot easier, you know, um, mm -hmm. making a name for ourselves, proving that one, we get this many people through the door, or we are able to hit these different demographics throughout the year. We do this and this event means this to our community. Mm -hmm. Hip hop at its core is community engagement. So if you apply for a community engagement grant, bro, it's easy. Just say hip hop. I think <laughs> obviously <laughs> write, write other stuff, but I do think, right. yo, it fits every single hole. You hit every demographic you hit. There's so much that uh, a battle does that organizations are still doing case studies on and mm -hmm. still can't hit. Yeah. We do that every weekend i go to events i'm like wow this is this is exactly what that application was talking about but yeah. why are they going over here versus over here one yeah. is the professionalism i think a lot of these organizations uh street dancers we just need to up our professionalism two it's just making a name for ourselves and creating some type of infrastructure around how we do things mm. but yeah it's just really applying and like take a step back forget a battle for a weekend just apply for like five five things yeah. that you can get you know yeah anyway. that's, that's super helpful even for me because I think that's something that I even struggle to prioritize because yeah like, I spend so much time like on like marketing stuff and on yeah. like sponsorship stuff and on yeah. like, event organizing and yeah like yeah this it's a lot of stuff and so it's like how do I make time to just like get funding for half the stuff we're trying to do <laughs> yeah um, yeah so and I think too, like you kind of mentioned this, but like the professionalism aspect, I think that's like another challenge for a lot of people is, yeah. especially when it comes to like grants is like the kind of like language that people are looking for. Yeah. Well, that's and challenging to figure and, out as well. <laughs> yeah. And then that's the biggest, that's a challenge in itself. Cause some of these grants, like, it's like figuring how to answer the same question. Some of these questions are like duplicates, mm -hmm. the language, yeah, the language behind it. I just feel like it's really set up in a way that is intimidating. You know, mm -hmm. some of these grants are like, what I have to do, what? Yeah. Um, luckily by like 
you know, the, and I would say it was discouraging when you get the, when you don't get the grant, you know, mm -hmm. that's what really teaches you is like, just apply. There's a lot of grants or organizations or foundations that will be like, hey, you should sign up for this because we do a grant work, a grant writing workshop. And they actually give out stipends for you to join their workshops. Mm -hmm. This is like, you know, that's a good incentive, but also you get to meet the other people that actually might be on your board or champions of your work in those cohorts or in these workshops. Mm -hmm. And that's where the start is. So like, I know it sounds cliche, but like by failing miserably our first year <laughs> of trying to do all of this, we met all the people that we needed to. Um, we got so much insight into how to write grants and all of those failed applications actually turned into all of these documents that all we have to do now is just send out. So now yeah. our first year we spent like, I remember this one day me and Maddie were, um, we went to a coffee shop, closed at six. We moved to a library that closed at nine. <laughs> After nine o'clock, we moved to, I think we went to her apartment and we were like in the lobby and we were working on this grant till like maybe two or 3 a.m. And then the mm -hmm. wine came out. We spent <laughs> so many hours on this this one application the first year where, mm -hmm. but now we had a template of like, all right, we have this, this product. Now the second year became easier. And then this year I was just like, all right, let's do five just plug in and play because yeah. we just oh we already did it three four five times we've said the same thing yeah. at least six times this question says something about demographics this says something about mm. you know how do we connect to this specific neighborhood we got it you know so i think um yeah it's just going to be discouraging but there's so many other as long as you can get past that first wave i think you'll be okay yeah. Yeah. No, that's super, super helpful for me, yeah. especially, but I know a lot of other people will probably listen to this, yeah. like have their mind blown. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It, yeah. yeah. And that concludes part one of this conversation with Sam Mack. I hope you guys enjoyed the first part and are looking forward to the second part, which will hopefully be up in the next couple of weeks. I may have some other episodes that I will put up before then. So definitely keep an eye out on my website, jinxdancemedia.com, um, or follow on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, whichever one you listen on, um, or follow on my Instagram at jinxdancemedia if you want to see when that one will be posted. Um, additionally, please make sure you rate my podcast five stars if you have not done so already, because it really helps me out and helps other people uh, be able to see this content. And lastly, I will put all of Samak's details in the descriptions if you did want to connect with him or see more content from 10K and from Samak. So thank you all again for tuning in this week, and I will talk to you next week. <laughs>